2: The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including... AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And welcome back to The Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, TV.com. And to listen to any of the past shows that we've done since November of twenty. My guest this hour is Russell Targ. We're going to be talking to Russell about his new book, Do You See What I See? Lasers and Love, ESP and the CIA and the Meaning of Life. Now on paper, Do You See What I See? A droll memory memoir by a world-class physicist that includes recollections of his involvement with pioneering laser research, encounters with many of the most recognizable literary, cultural, and entertainment figures of the 20th century, and his role in teaching ESP techniques to the CIA. Now, Russell Targ is a a zealot-like character. His story is an idiosyncratic journey through the highways and byways of American intellectual, scientific, and cultural life in the 20th century. Along the way, he rubbed elbows with Ann Ryan, Alan Greenspan, Alan and Arlene Alda, Bobby Fisher, and Sally Rand. He was a pioneer in laser research and spent many years developing airborne laser wind sensors for Lockheed and NASA. In addition, he co-founded the Stanford Research Institute Remote Viewing Programme or remove-viewing program, which was funded by the CIA, and was instrumental in tracking Soviet and Chinese weapon installations during the Cold War. And to round it out, he is legally blind, and he's a motorcyclist who happens to be a Buddhist. In this fascinating memoir by a first-class intellect, the story of a physicist who has pushed the boundaries of science to explore the realms of parapsychology, spirituality, and The Unexplained. Joining me this hour is Oshel Targ and Russell. Welcome back to The Exxon. Great having you with us, sir.
3: Well, it's a very nice introduction. It sounds like if you live long enough, you get to do a lot of interesting things.
2: <laughs> and meet a lot of interesting people.
3: Yes. So well, I grew up in New York where I was doing magic and physics. Then I came to California and started this ESP research program with mm-hmm. the CIA, teaching them how to be psychic, and we just went on from there.
2: Russell, you and I have it was
3: mag- the magic that led me to ESP research. When you stand on the stage doing a magic trick, mm-hmm. pretending to read minds, a magician will often have information come to him beyond what he should get from the trick that he's doing. And I, I was recently on the air with Melbourne, with Melbourne Christopher, and the great Kreskin, Yes, and they agreed that although they're not enthusiastic about psychic stuff, Mm -hmm. that sometimes they can supplement their act with whatever ESP comes
2: their way. Russell, stand by. We've got to take a two-minute commercial break. We'll be right back. ExoNation, Russell Targ is our very special guest this hour, www.espresearch.com. We're talking about Russell's new book, Do You See What I See? Lasers and Love, ESP and the CIA, and the Meaning of Life. We'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. Don't go away.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.
2: I'm so excited because my guest this hour is none other than Russell Targ. We're talking about Russell's new book, Do You See What I See? Lasers and Love, ESP and the CIA and the Meaning of Life. Russell's website is www.espresearch.com. Now, Russell, this is an autobiography, after all. Is it possible for you to summarize the main idea you would like to communicate with our listeners about your life story?
3: Well, well, that's hard to do. the reason I wrote the book is that I'm a, a visually handicapped person. I've always had very poor vision, could not read blackboards in school, but I was able to do a lot of interesting things. So that I became a physicist, I went to graduate school at Columbia, and probably because of my bad vision, I got interested in psychic stuff and developed my own ESP ability somewhat and became very skillful at helping other people more talented than me uh, learn this psychic ability. So, the point of the book is that even though a person might be handicapped in some way, there is still, uh, if he's hardworking and courageous and lucky, he gets to do a lot of interesting things as long as he keeps moving. Mm-hmm. So, I think the idea of this book is that. Um, The the overall idea that I'm describing in sort of the the meaning of life portion is that we are, are in our essence, non-local awareness. Our awareness extends past ordinary space and time so that as we quiet our mind, we're able to experience what's happening in the future and what's happening in the distance. And it's not a metaphysical idea. We had a 25-year program at Stanford, teaching people how to look into the distance and into the future and that was supported by many, many US governmental agencies during the Cold War and because of our success the government of the US set up a remote <laughs> excuse me, sure. set up a remote viewing organization at Fort Meade in Maryland and we had a whole psychic army corps now, we were not staring at goats, that, that, that amusing film, but it gives you the wrong idea of what we were doing. But we did set up a psychic corps on the East Coast of the U.S. in which quite a number of Army intelligence people became very proficient at quieting their mind and describing things that are happening in the far distance. So the purpose of writing this book is to encourage people to get in touch with the psychic side of themselves. It's not hard to do. Uh, You don't have to spend a lot of money for classes. You don't have to give away your mind or eat porridge at the feet of your guru. (laughs) It's an ability we all have. And I guess the purpose of the book is to give people permission to make use of their own psychic abilities.
2: Russell, is it possible when you're doing remote viewing and doing ESP to actually pass the three dimensions that we're attuned to and actually go into further dimensions? And a lot of people now believe, especially with quantum physics, that we have as many as 11 dimensions. So is it possible to pass the three that we have and get information from the 11th, for example?
3: Well, the other dimensions that I think we have come from sort of ordinary physics and not quantum physics. The earliest pioneers like Schrödinger and Minkowski, who taught Einstein, felt that um, we have a familiar three dimensions we all know about, and the time dimension, and the idea that each of those dimensions maybe have a real part and an imaginary part, so that uh, there are four real dimensions. You and I are separated by uh, 5,000 kilometers, Mm -hmm. and we're talking to each other in real time, so the only distance between us is 5,000 kilometers in the real plane. But there will be a place through the complex space-time, which physicists today call non-local space-time, uh, allow us to be connected with one another. So if I held up an interesting object here and ask you to quiet your mind, uh, maybe not while you have a mic in one hand, mm-hmm. uh, you, you could describe my object with no trouble. It, and it's as though through the complex space-time there's no separation between us. The Buddhists have said for 2,500 years that separation is an illusion. So it's not like we're creating additional dimensions. I'm not pulling you into the so-called fourth dimension. But physicists agree now that we live in a non-local space-time. And a non-local space-time means that phenomena that occur in seemingly distant places are not so far apart. But it does not pertain to the eleven dimensions of string theory. So that, that's not that's a conjecture and is not known to be true. Uh, the fact that psychic abilities mm-hmm. are independent of space and time is known to be true. The ESP researchers don't know a lot about how ESP works, but we are all absolutely convinced The psychic function is independent of space and relatively independent of time. And I'll just say it again. It's no harder to describe something that's going on 5,000 kilometers away than it is to describe what's going on across the street. Uh, That spatial distance does not interfere with your ability. And looking a few days in the future is just as easy as describing something contemporaneous. For example, one of our most famous uh, exploits at Stanford was describing changes in the silver commodity market. And we did that uh, nine weeks in a row. Every Monday, a psychic would try and describe what we would hand hand him Mm -hmm. the following Friday, five days in the future. And the object we would hand him was keyed or associated with whether the market would go up or down up a little or up a lot, and he was correct nine times in a row, and we made $120,000 back in 1982 when $120,000 was a lot of money. So the fact that we were looking five days in the future in no way interfered with this fellow's ability to describe on Monday what we'd hand him Friday.
2: Is the U.S. government and other governments of the world still using remote viewing and ESP as a way of gathering intelligence?
3: I certainly hope so, but I have no knowledge that they're doing that. Our program at Stanford ended in 1995 when Robert Gates, who is now Secretary of Defense, Mm -hmm. at that time he was head of the CIA, uh, Gates closed down our program in 95, saying that America no longer had any enemies, so we no longer needed a uh, psychic core because we uh, ordinary CIA could deal with the problems. That was 95. Of course, we went about a decade before we had a, had a deal with Osama bin Laden. That's right. But uh, there might be a secret psychic core in the basement of the Pentagon that I don't know about. For example, I know that the CIA approached some of our best remote viewers on a freelance basis to do things for them. Uh, my experience is that it doesn't work so well, because although remote viewing seems transparently easy, uh, to actually do an operational task requires some skill, both from the interviewer and, of course, from the viewer. So I hope that they're still doing it in the basement of the Pentagon. But so far as I know, uh, the government does not have any psychic program at the present time.
2: Russell, with the, with Osama bin Laden still being at large and, and with someone with your abilities and, and the other researchers that you worked with uh, in, in the past when you were doing work with the CIA and other governmental agencies, why wouldn't they call you up and say, Russell, we would like you to come and help us find Osama bin Laden?
3: It would be a good uh, idea. Yeah. The prog- uh, we were supported by a unusual cadre of very courageous, uh, successful, intelligent people in Defense Intelligence Agency, in the CIA, uh, in Air Force intelligence. So we had a collection of head-of-the-agency-sized people uh, who are very smart and open-minded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are always uh, people who are uh, principally religious fanatics, fundamentalists, who hate ESP and are afraid the psychic ability from the devil. And there are people like that still in Congress. So our government agency, the CIA and... Defense Intelligence Agency, were teased by other people for supporting us. Uh, The fact that we continue to bring in valuable information is what kept our program going for 23 years. And let me tell you, the most unlikely paranormal thing in our program is that we kept going for 23 years. That is probably the longest-running program in the history of the government. I'm going to try and find out if that's true. It's very, very hard to get follow-on money. For example, when I was at Lockheed, we were building laser systems to prevent airplane crashes, and that worked very well. We had a two-year program. I wanted another year to do a demonstration of ability, and we spent a huge amount of trouble trying to get a one-year follow-on. Whereas in the psychic program, we had twenty three years of continuous funding.
2: Russell, stand by. So we've we got to take a commercial break. Right. We've got to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with the news. Exo Nation, Russell Targs, our very special guest. Always a great honor to have Russell with us here in the Exxon. His new book, Do You See What I See? Lasers in Love, ESP and the CIA and the Meaning of Life. His website, www.espresearch.com. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. dot love was
0: blast
2: Exxon Nation, Russell Targ is our special guest this hour. It's always great having Russell here with us in the Exxon. His new book that came out in March of this year, Do You See What I See? Lasers and Love, ESP and the CIA and the Meaning of Life. His website is www.espresearch.com. Russell, someone was telling me that you have an ESP teaching, um, what are they called for the iPhone you could
3: call it a teaching machine. Our first program uh, to show people how to be psychic was a gadget that I had made in the 1970s to help people develop their ESP. There was a time when teaching machines were all the rage in the schools, mm-hmm. And I brought this to a NASA conference on speculative technology. This is a electronic device that allows you to choose one of four colored pictures that are in front of you. You touch one, and hopefully you touch the one that's going to ring a bell, show you a picture, vibrate in your hand, and give you feedback, and you learn that was correct. So I brought this uh, machine to a NASA conference where I met Werner von Braun and Arthur C. Clarke and a bunch of NASA notaries, notable people, mm-hmm. And they gave us our first money at SRI in 1972 because Von Braun did excellently with the ESP teaching machine. And we had a program at Stanford for a year where we worked with 150 people and found that many of them were able to get in touch with the part of themselves, the psychic, improve their ESP, and it's a year-long program with this ESP device. And I'm now an Apple enthusiast. I love my iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a ESP game, an application for the iPhone, which is free. And this is called ESP Trainer, a free download from the application store from iTunes. And you can have this NASA-developed ESP game on your iPhone at no cost. And people are now writing to me about very high scores. Uh, a single run with this game is a run of 24, and because there are four four buttons to push, you would expect people to get six, and many people are getting 12 or 14, which is astronomical high scores. And that interests me, so I'm in touch with all these high-scoring people, and it's a... Free application that lets you get in touch with your psychic abilities and improve it. Russell, it's why do you? ES, the name is ESP Trainer.
2: Russell, why do you think people are getting such high scores these days?
3: Well, that greatly interests me. I think that, that I have 7,500 downloads, so I mm-hmm. have a, a big pool of people who are playing with this, and I think some of them are sitting home quietly, uh, simply. The, the trick is, with this game, you, you just learn what... Nobody's watching you, the sort of thing you do in the privacy of your own home, and you can learn what it feels like uh, when you press the button that's going to ring the bell and show you a picture. It's just quiet. You're sitting looking at the your iPhone. Mm-hmm. You see four colored squares in front of you, and you just learn what it feels like... Uh, that I'm going to press that green square and I'm confident it's going to ring the bell, and it does. So you you learn what it feels like when you have a psychic hunch. For example, if you're driving down the highway and you suddenly get a feeling that I should change lanes, uh, you may have this feeling often, but sometimes you change lanes and avoid an accident. We had a contract monitor from the CIA who had flown on thousands of airplane trips, but one day he was flying out of Detroit with his partner, and he had a very frightening dream of a horrific airplane crash with him in it. But it was so realistic that even though he had flown many, many times, he decided to follow his intuition. He didn't want to seem like a sissy, of course, so he told his partner something came up. He drove his partner to the airport, and as he drove away, he got to see the airplane crash without him on it. So it's as though his experience of the crash the following day stimulated him at an earlier time to have a dream. It's a way that the future can affect the past. So- and in fact, many people have their very first psychic experiences in terms of a precognitive dream. Precognitive dreams are very common, and you can learn to separate them from ordinary dreams of wish fulfillment and anxiety.
2: How, do you, how, do, how does a person separate that? Because I, that's how I was just going to ask you, you know, how does a yeah, person... I knew you were
3: going to ask me
2: that. Yeah, it's uncanny. It's truly uncanny. So how does a person actually tell the difference between a precognitive dream and a wishful dream?
3: Well, the ordinary dreams we have are dreams... Filled with the residue of the previous day, mm-hmm. for example, if you cross the lake at a hydrofoil boat and it shakes you up and you dream about being on a boat, you know that's from yesterday's trip. Or if you have a examination coming up and you have a dream about failing an exam and you didn't study for it, we would not consider that precognitive. So there's dreams with residue of the previous days. Anxiety dreams or wish fulfillment dreams. If you have a girlfriend that you've always wanted to be with, and you dream about her, doesn't mean she's going to show up. Right. On the other hand, so those are the three common kinds of dreams anxiety, wish fulfillment, and the previous day's residue. On the other hand, if you have a dream containing material that seems utterly unfamiliar, for example, you dream about walking out your front door for the newspaper and there's an elephant walking down your street and you've never seen an elephant in front of your house before and then uh, the next day you go out for your paper and there's an elephant there so I would say the next day the elephant was the cause of your dream Mm -hmm. the previous night so one way you can tell that the dream is precognitive is if the dream contains material that's bizarre and unfamiliar to you, not part of your normal repertoire of things that you would think about or dream about. Also, dreams that tend to be unusually preternaturally clear or bright or vivid tend to be precognitive. And the way to tell which dreams are precognitive is to start writing them down. Carl Jung wrote about this in his very nice books, Dreams, Memories, and Reflections, and when he said, if you want to get in touch with your dream life, you should have a little notebook by your bed, and before you get up in the morning, before you move, write down the dreams that you've had, especially the dreams you had on awakening, and you'll be able to tell the dreams that are just bubbling up from your subconscious and the dreams that are brought to you by the future. And you can learn to incorporate it. I mean, that's useful information. And uh, creating a little d- dream diary is quite a helpful thing to do to learn about who you are mm-hmm. and what's waiting for you in the future.
2: Now, we've had many psychics on this show, Russell, and there are psychics who claim to be psychics that I don't think are more psychic than one of my two shih tzus. Then you come across the psychics who you take a look at their predictions and you say, okay, based on the world events of today, this is a this is a, a, what I would consider to be an educated guest. I have yet, Russell, to have a psychic on the show that blows me away. I've had psychics come on the show who are so self-confident that they actually send me two months ahead of time what is going to happen. Nothing happens. Then I ask the question, well, if Psychic ability is real. How come psychics don't predict world events? For example, none of the psychics that we've had on the show have, you know, were able to predict the uh, the earthquake in Chile, the earthquake in in uh, Jamaica or Haiti, I mean, the the oil disaster in the Gulf. So w- what would one do to validate psychic ability compared to bad showmanship?
3: I think that's a good question, and in a way that's what I was talking about when you said why doesn't the government uh, do ESP experiments? Okay. And um, the problem is forecasting world events invites the psychic, quiet your mind, look out in the world, and tell me what's new. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really not a question. A psychic that is asking the psychic what's new or what's going to happen that's exciting is sort of not a well-defined question. Uh, if you ask a psychic, uh, tell me about the picture that will appear on tomorrow's New York Times front page, that's something he can sort of bite into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the front page of the Times is not yet composed. No living person knows what's going to be on that front page picture, but that would be a reasonable task for a psychic. Tell me about the picture that I'm going to show you on the front page of the New York Times. And we've done many, many experiments like that. Or I could ask my psychic, as we did in the silver forecasting, Right. here we are on Monday morning. Uh, Joe down at Montgomery Street has four objects sitting on his desk. I don't know what they are, but he will give you one of them next Friday, five days from now, depending on the silver market uh, tell me about the object that I'm going to put in your hand on Friday what does it feel like what does it look like what's the texture now that's a perfectly good precognition because it's determined by change in the silver market nobody mm-hmm. knows that but it gives him something concrete upon which to focus his mind so the and we've had very good success with that kind of thing. We did an experiment with the CIA with Ingo Swann, mm-hmm. great New York psychic, where they said, here's some geographical coordinates. We want to know what's going to happen there on Friday, and here we are on Tuesday. I'd like you to please look three days in advance and describe what's going to happen at these coordinates. And he said, well, I see a group of trucks in the background and there's some kind of beautiful pyrotechnic display going on. Big hemispherical colored display. Get me my colored pencils. And he drew this beautiful hemisphere. It looked like a great fireworks display. Three days later, the Chinese at that place did an atomic bomb test, which failed. And what the CIA got to see at that time was what, the effects of burning uranium in the air, which is a pyrotechnic display rather than a mushroom cloud so swan was able to describe this extremely Mm -hmm. unlikely event three days in the future but working with uh... interviewer was able to focus attention on the point in space-time three days in the future these coordinates what do you see that's a much more doable task than Look out in the planet and tell me what's exciting that's going to happen at some unknown place at some unknown time. Because in a way, the short answer to your question, there are no signposts along the timeline. As you look along the timeline, there's no post that says this is Monday, this is Tuesday, this is Wednesday. So a guy may look out and say, "Oh my God, I see a building that's going to be hit." Mm-hmm but he's not able to read the street signs, and he can't see the timeline. So saying a building is going to be on fire someplace sometime in the future is not useful information. So ESP is very useful at finding things if you know what you're looking for, and know what time to, if you could give him the coordinates, uh, that's really the answer. We live in this large non-local space time, right? And I'm at here and now with you, and you say, I'd like you to look uh, tomorrow at ten o'clock in the evening at these coordinates, at the base of CN Tower, mm-hmm. well, what's going to be at the base of the CN Tower tomorrow at 10. A psychic would have no problem doing that. But a psychic has a hard time saying, answering the question, what's new? Gotcha. Does that make sense?
2: It sure does. Russell, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. Exxon Nation, Russell Targus, my special guest this hour. Always great having Russell here with us in the Exxon. His website is www.espresearch.com. His new book, Do You See What I See? Lasers and Love, ESP and the CIA, and the meaning of life. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talk Star Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Don't go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Mr. Fred Lassie in a breakfast.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.
1: Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: nation Russell Targ is our special guest it's always a great pleasure having Russell here with us in the axon his website is www.espresearch.com. one quick question Russell to uh, to finish off what you and I were talking about in the in the uh, last segment when somebody goes t- to a psychic whether it's in a psychic fair or in one of these uh, you know storefront psychic shops how how accurate at the at the very most, can this psychic be? If the person just walks in off the street, says, "How my you know, how's my love life going to be? Am I going to find Mister Right? Am I going to get the job I've been looking for?"
3: They or is... can be very they can be very accurate. Depends on how open you are and how good a psychic they are. Mm. The main thing in going to a psychic on the street or at the fair is don't tell them anything. An experienced psychic doesn't want to know anything. They don't want to know your name or where you're from or if you're married or almost what your question is because everything you tell the psychic provides mental noise, analytical information, Right. and analytical information is the enemy of ESP. So if I come in and say, I'm a 70-year-old physicist from California, married for so many years, and I would like to know such and such, Well, I have just so front-loaded them, as we would say in the Army program, Mm -hmm. that I've just created so much noise it would be almost impossible for them to do anything for me psychically because I've built up such a big mental picture out of analytical information that it would overcome their psychic abilities. So an experienced psychic will immediately say, don't tell me anything, Everything you say makes it harder. So but an experienced psychic can indeed give you prodigious amounts of information.
2: So if a person goes to a psychic at a psychic fair where there's 15, 20 different psychics, people, people milling around, um, I don't, based on what you just said and based on my own personal observations, I, I don't think it's possible for a psychic at a psychic fair to give an accurate reading based on all the chatter that they must be experiencing in their minds.
3: Well, I had a friend who visited a psychic fair and the psychic said, uh, I don't normally do this, but do you, do you, do you have a friend who died recently? And my friend said, yes. He said, well, I see a, a young woman with long dark hair wearing pearls standing right behind you. And she has a message for you. And that was my daughter, Elizabeth. Oh my gosh. So this psychic at a fair gave a surprisingly good rundown on my daughter, who at that time had been uh, deceased a couple of years. And my daughter just popped up behind my friend, who was uh, very close to my daughter. Mm. So you sometimes get, uh, and this was unasked for, uh, my friend wasn't looking for information about Elizabeth, just popped up. So sometimes a psychic affair will just get a really clear picture and be able to provide information. Though it's a poor environment. It's a psychically very noisy environment.
2: Russell, we've just run out of time for tonight. Uh, As always, time goes by fast when you're with us. Um, I I would like to get you back in the future, Russell, and talk to you more about psychic phenomena, ESP, and uh, the great work that you've done in the past. So until then, Russell, I want to thank you very much for joining us. And uh, ExoNation, if you'd like to find out more about Russell, his website is www.espresearch.com. That's www.espresearch.com. Russell Targ, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you
3: very much for the opportunity.
2: Take care, my friend. Speak to you soon. Nation. when we come back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past, more from the Exone as we continue our investigation into the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.